Welcome to episode 122 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Derek from Northwest Guns onto the podcast. Now, Derek used to live here in the Helena area before he, well, he became a trader and moved to, um, to Arizona. But we're not going to hold that against him because we're going to talk about long-range shooting. And anybody that knows me knows that I like to say I'm a pistol guy that wants to be a rifle guy. And, well, Derek's a rifle guy that, well, he's starting to learn to be a pistol guy at the same time. So it kind of works out. But before we talk to Derek, it is time to pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. These are my go-to holsters. And what happens when you take leather with Kydex and make it handmade? It's not done by a machine. This is done by an actual person. You get awesome quality. Go check out Falco Holsters because they can make a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And use the checkout code BANSHEE to save yourself 10%. Now, this episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Look, we're gun people. We need ammo. Well, instead of like going to the store, wouldn't it be just nice to have a really great online system to order ammo and then have it, well, stored in a insured facility somewhere else? So that way, if we have a natural disaster, or maybe you're a competition shooter and you just need that stuff shipped somewhere else, you can just store it there. And then when you go take it out, plan ahead, and there it goes. It shows up to, at your competition. Go check out Ammo Squared. I have a link down below. Now with the bills paid, it's time to talk to Derek. Derek, tell me about your love of guns. Hey, everybody. My name is Derek from uh, Northwest Guns. I'm... Uh, into long-range precision shooting and precision shooting series, uh, which is a sport of running gun. Uh, you guys can find me over on YouTube at Northwest Guns. You guys can also find me on Instagram under uh, Northwest underscore guns. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, man, it's great having you on, especially since you moved out of Montana. You kind of just left me hanging up here. You decided right. to go to the, to the warm place. <laughs> The, to leave me uh, to leave me all alone and not get my long you know my long range fix up here. Yeah, unfortunately, I do miss it up there. I do because the summer was harsh down here. We barely got any rain yeah. this year, and man, that hundred and like twenty hundred and thirty degree weather was just not for me. Um, I hated it because you couldn't go out and shoot. You had to schedule time at ranges, and it was just like this is just annoying. So, yeah, it's funny because, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit when you had those those high temperatures down there. And I'm like, hey, man, we're still we're rocking the 70s up here. Um, yeah, but, we're rocking uh, 115 plus down here for a record <laughs> of like 46 days. It was something like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous. But I was like, really, my crazy. first summer down here and I got to be I got to be in this shit. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyways, I really appreciate coming on because, you know, really want to talk about like getting into long range shooting, you know, the, the, the begin basically like the kind of like the beginner's guide to getting into long range shooting because like, I mean, you know, I'm a pistol guy right. and I always like to say I'm a, I'm a pistol guy who wants to be a rifle guy, but I'm a pistol guy. Right. True. <laughs> and um, as people are, are coming up, I mean, long range shooting is people really getting interested into it because they're like, this is not just, you don't just plop down on a bench or on a mat. 
and then suddenly mm -hmm. start hitting targets at like 1600 yards there's a there's a lot of work to get there um now and you're right there is <laughs> I mean, trust me i've tried uh, <laughs> so for for like the the beginner guy i mean you know to get into long range shooting we can't you know someone just can't walk up with like granddaddy's you know deer rifle and then expect that to you know start hitting targets at longer ranges what should someone start looking for if they're actually interested in getting to this i mean you know mm -hmm. we know everybody's got an ar uh possibly even a 308 ar but really there's some special equipment that you really want to start getting into when you're starting to hit you know over those thousand yards right and let's start let's start with the basis um so what I tell everybody when they say they want to get into the sport is I tell everybody to set a budget. Set a budget on your rifle, set a budget on your optic, set a budget on your bipod, and set a budget on your optic. Because in all reality, if you, if you don't have a budget, you're just going to go haywire. And trust me, I've right. been there, done that. Um, I've got the bills to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> But I tell everybody who comes in and sees me, especially because I work in I work in the gun industry, and I tell them, okay, so if you want to be under a thousand dollars, the Gara B14 is a good choice because it's a Remington 700 footprint. Uh, Savage 110 is a good one because you can grow with it. Um, yep. Either one of those you can grow with. Those are and you got Tikas, but problem is with Tikas, you got the thinner barrel profile than most of the other ones um now for prs are more like see for me a tika is more of a deer rifle right that's going out in the woods and, and shooting deer with it tika in the last couple of years has been coming up into the prs series believe hmm. it or not i did not know that yeah there's a couple companies making some prefit barrels for them now and uh, like timney makes a trigger for them jarred makes a trigger for them I mean, they're starting to come up in the industry. Uh, a lot of companies like MDT and a couple other chassis companies are really jumping on the Tika bandwagon with that stuff. And you're starting to see Tika coming up and up in the industry. And I think Tika has one of the nicest actions for a stock rifle off the shelf till you get to that, that custom action where it's made to precise precision and everything else. But like I was saying, uh, Bergara, Savage is where I usually put the customers towards for something about a thousand dollars and under. And if I had my choice, I'd probably go more towards the Bagara because it's already got like an MTU contoured barrel. And the okay. HMR has a really nice stock at the, at the start and it's a 700 footprint. So like 700 scope bases, anything like that, or 700 triggers you want, if you want to change down the road, there's many companies that make them. So you've got yourself a good variety and go from there. So, Let's say we, we chose the Vagara B14. Now, so we're about $1,000 on that. Now, for optics, the optic market has changed tremendously in the last four or five years. I mean, the old saying used to be you had to spend two times the amount on your optic than what you yep. did on your rifle. Well, that's not really the case anymore. Because you got companies like Vortex coming out with the Venom and the Strike Eagle. You've got Element Optics coming out with the Titan series. You've got Arkin with their EP5 series. I mean, there's so many companies now coming out in that budget optic area between like that 500 and 1,000. 
that will just blow your mind on they actually track nicely. You got some some good glass to start with. Um, people who shoot like nine force or high end vortex and high end Leopold are gonna say, "Oh, that's decent." Well, it's good for where your budget is. Um, right. I've been shooting Element Optics for the last god two years and. I've had no issues with them at all. They track their amazing scopes for an $800 scope. I've gotten out to 2,100 yards with one of them. So, and that's a, that's a long shot. I don't think I can, I don't think I can see 2,100 yards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean that if you think about it, 2,100 yards out of an $800 scope, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, right. I, I was, we, I would think, you know, when I hear 2,100 yards, I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about three, you know, two, three, four thousand dollar scope at that point, but an eight hundred dollar right. scope that's pretty awesome. And I actually did that down in Townsend at their range, um, because their range right goes down up the road 20. here, yep, yeah, exactly. I used to love going down to that range, that was my favorite range to go to. Uh, painting asked to shoot matches at it, but it was it was fun <laughs> just for going out and shooting long range at it, so. And the next thing I tell everybody is, what caliber do you want to shoot? You got stuff like uh, 6.5 Creedmoor, or are you going to wildcat it like I did and go with like a, a 243 Ackley Improved? Um, 308, I, believe it or not, I actually tell people 308 is a good choice because if you don't, if you're going to shoot a lot, uh, with a 308, you can get anywhere between five and 8,000 rounds out of a barrel. But at the same time, with 308, you're going to learn a lot. From this yeah. caliber, then going down to like a 6.5 Creedmoor. If you go from this to that, because you're going to learn better recoil management, you're going to learn um, uh, better hit factoring, you're going to learn ballistics better, and everything else. So, uh, if you have the money to buy two rifles, great. If you don't, then a great caliber to start with, especially for PRS, would be 6.5 Creedmoor because it makes fat power factor for NRL Hunter. You can use an NRL Hunter 1. You can use an NRL and PRS. So uh, field, uh, we have a lot of options. Right. And you have the the 6th Creed, which is nice, but in the industry we call it a barrel burner and not something I recommend to get into if you're just starting. It's not the best caliber in my opinion. But, I mean, his to their own, you're going to choose what you want anyways. Right. So most people I've met lately have been like, oh, I'm going to shoot ammo off the shelf. Well, they learn really quickly. If you're spending $2.30 a round, well, okay, how can I get this cheaper? Well, then you got to start reloading. And that's a whole yeah. other rabbit hole to go down to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very big one because, you know, um, the, I like where you're talking about, you know, if somebody has a 308, you learn a lot because – I mean, at 308, when you start getting, was it around 600 yards, mm-hmm. that bullet's starting to drop like a rock. Right. Um, it, it just doesn't have, it's not designed for length, uh, for, for, you know, distance. But 308 is everywhere, right? I mean, exactly. you, you can at least start getting, um, you'll start learning that bullet drop, you know, at a closer range than your farther ranges. Plus, you could, you could save some money and then, Depending on the rifle that you have, um, just about every 308 can be rebarreled to a 6.5 Creedmoor later if you wanted to. Right. I have like 
The one, and I tell everybody this, the one downfall with Vergara is that they're a metric thread tenant system. So you're going to have to find a company, a gunsmith that will do it or find a company. Uh, there's a company out of Washington, and I can't remember his name, but he does Vergara barrel nut systems. And uh, Crown Ridge barrels, actually. He does a really nice job on his barrels. Uh, never shot one myself, but I just know a lot of people who have. And he does a really nice job with them. So is that's why that's probably why you like people going over to um, like the Savage 110. Um, right. Because changing a barrel out on a Savage is pretty easy. Um, yeah, it's not it, hard. I mean, it, you can, it, the average person could learn how to rebarrel a Savage with not a whole lot of tools. Right. <clears throat> um, you need a torque wrench, a breaker bar, uh, a barrel vise. Or a good two by or a good piece of two by four and a and a and a vice. Uh, done it that way, and that's we redneck engineered that thing, no problem. <laughs> uh, and that's why I've jumped personally. I've gotten away from uh, stock comp, action companies and gone to pristine because yeah. I have that Remington seven hundred footprint. I have that Savage barrel tenon. I can do a pre-fit uh, shouldered or I can do a pre-fit barrel nut, which is what I prefer. And then I have my, my choice of whatever 700 um, trigger system I want. So that's what I love about with that company. I have so many options to where I can go with it. And I tell people, I mean, shoot a stock rifle for a year. And then if you want to go to a custom one, find something that's going to fit you. I can give you all the recommendations right. in the world, but it doesn't mean my recommendations are right for you. Yeah. Uh, but when you're going to places like Shields, Bass Pro Shop, Sportsman's Warehouse, you're kind of limited on options and what you can choose. Yeah, it's funny. You're talking about Pristine. I just realized that my, you got me into Pristine. Yes, um, I did. Yeah, you got me into Pristine. I can't wait to build this one up. Um uh, but yeah, no, I, it's it's great because I, I like where you where you're going with this is because I I like things that can grow with me, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you're, you're gonna you're gonna eventually hit a point where okay, you may outgrow whatever you have, right? Right. Um, but that's the thing is that learn the basics on whatever you can. Mm -hmm. start going into okay well you know now i've i've got the basics you know i, I have my 308 like uh like this pristine action uh is going to be 308 i'm going to build it 308 initially uh and people ask me why and it's because i'm looking at my ammo shelf and i got a crap load of 308 down there and i have exactly zero six five creep one mm -hmm. <laughs> um so it, and that's the thing is it, like i said before i'm a pistol guy that wants to be a rifle guy I, I, I shoot 308. I know 308. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the limitation. Like I said, about 600 yards, I think it's going to start dropping like a rock. Um, so I'm going to take whatever I've learned off of 308. I'm going to start putting it into a different rifle. And then, then I, that gives me the chance to start learning. Cause I'm gosh, last time, Last time a bolt gun was owned in my family was somewhere in the 90s. <laughs> um, 
we kind of all went over to the semi-autos. So I was like, now I got to get ready. I got to get back to running a bolt again. (laughs) Um, So that's the thing. So now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to relearn the art of that. And, and, and Mm -hmm. we were shooting 30 out six back then. Um, So that's what I, I I love the whole thing of going in, like, you know, understanding uh, like the, the pristine action if you understand a savage, you under you kind of, you understand a pristine action as well, right? Uh, at least on on barreling it. And I love the the fact that you know I'm a tinkerer. You know, I want to play and I want to build and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You're eventually going to want to stop paying gunsmith fees to start building these things because it's going to get right. expensive taking actions in and getting them rebarreled um, when you can actually do that now rebarreling like a, a savage is really a headspace gauge right mm-hmm. you put the headspace in you put the barrel in get it snugged up you know and then you tighten it and i mean that's oversimplifying the process but right. really the, the average person can learn this in less than a day right and the nice thing about it is if you want to switch out calibers between the hunting caliber like a 308 and your competition caliber like a six five, it's not hard to it's not hard to change out. It literally takes minutes. I mean, I did three three headspace three guns. One was on a savage, two were on pristines, and I re-headspaced them in under forty minutes. And that's ripping the whole things off between taking the scopes off, the dog rip, pulling them out of the chassis, and going to town with it. But for some of your average person, I mean, you can put a whole gun together in your garage. Uh, headspace and everything about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, I mean that's, it's not, which is which is nice because I mean that's that's where we're kind of you know when you're getting into that long range, you know, into that long range thing, it basically starts becoming a little DIY at that point because you're going to want to start playing with optics and changing optics right. out. You're you're going to basically know everything about your rifle when you're done. Now. Right. You've been talking about chassis. You know, most people, especially beginners, they understand a stock. You know, we have our nice wood right. stock. Talk a little bit about the difference of going with like a wood stock and then onto a chassis. I mean, a chassis okay. so, for the layman, a chassis is just another stock, but it's, it's much it's, more than that. Right. So going with a chassis, you're going to be more rigid. You're gonna, you're not going to have to glass bed it. You're not going to have to pillar it or anything like that. It's pretty much already done from the company that designed it and built it. Plus, it's magazine fed. You don't have to worry about that internal magazine or anything like that or the drop bottoms. It's kind of nice going that route with that type of stuff. And I mean, chassis can be affordable all the way up to ridiculously expensive. Um, Same thing with rifles. <laughs> I mean, right. Because, yeah. I mean, my. My favorite chassis, per se, I, I call it more of a hybrid stock between a chassis and a, uh, and a stock hybrid, is the MDT XRS. So I got the best worlds of a chassis, but I got all the full advantages of a stock for my own my own personal likes. Um, I can have a Swiss rail on it. It's got M-Lock. It's fully aluminum bedded, 700 action. You can get them in multiple different styles of actions, but it just fits my build uh, for what I want and for what I what I like about it. 
Um, and then the nice thing about when you're starting to, when you go into a custom uh, gun is your choice of barrel length. Okay, well, that Bergara comes with a 24. Well, I want to go a little bit longer to see how much more I can get out of it. Having more feet per second. How, how farther can we get with it with range? So it really comes down to like what platform like we were talking about starting. And I try to put people more towards the Savage because you can change out the barrels if you wanted to. So say if you got it, got yourself a custom barrel and you put it on your Savage and you're like, okay, six months later, well, I'm going to buy myself a pristine. Well, then I don't have to buy another barrel. I can just go throw that barrel on there. Well, then it comes into, now we got to find out what ammo works with this. If the same ammo yeah. works or not. It's kind of a, it's a cat and mouse game until you catch the mouse. But it can be, but you can make it fun. And a lot of people don't understand, oh, this is a lot of work. And I'm like, well, it's a lot of work, but you can make it fun at the same time. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like going out and buying a Chevy and then going, all right, well, let's change out the wheels. Right. Um, you know, I, I can start doing this and I can do this to the suspension you, you, you take a stock car, then when you're done, mm -hmm. you got something that's pretty amazing. I mean, that, that's really the same thing. People enjoy working right. on cars. Um, you know, I, the, one of the things I find is that people are, you know, guns are just this mystery thing. They're machines. I mean, that's all they are is just a machine. It's just, you just got to learn, you know, if you understand basic mechanics, you can work on a gun doesn't matter if it's a pistol rifle so right. i mean if 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 you're into changing your own oil you could change a barrel in a, in a savage I mean, right it's not that hard no it's not and with modern day technology of what it is and what it's came from 10 years ago is just tremendously uh different because there used to be the old saying only a, only a shouldered barrel shot the most accurate, and a barrel nut system yep. never would. I beg to differ with that statement now because there's the barrel mechanics and the the science that goes into a lot of this stuff now has just been so overwhelming uh, better in the last five years per se that you don't you don't need a shouldered barrel anymore. To shoot good. I mean, a barrel nut system, you can shoot 0 .3, 0 .4 with without even trying, as long as you're doing your part with the gun. Well, and that's the, the I mean, that's the key there, right? Is and under most people, the gun is more accurate than the shooter. Right. Um, I mean, that's what I say is, you know, even when I build up this thing, that rifle is going to be way more accurate than me as a shooter. Um, mm -hmm. And I and I know it's going into that. That tech, it, it is amazing how technology changed. Because I, I, you know, when I was in FFL, I, I didn't like I didn't like Savage. I didn't like the Savage Barrel Nut Act. You know, I mm -hmm. was under the old school. We need to crank this damn thing off. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have no problems with yanking a barrel out of an AR-15. Um, so it's right. it's like. I, I had this this hang up of tradition over technology, mm -hmm. and sure, when a new technology comes out, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, an AR fifteen, not the most accurate gun in the world. Um, you know, I have metal shims up here to shim barrels. 
for right. AR-15 because, you know, we have differences in the um, tolerances and stuff. <laughs> Excuse me, the tolerances of the barrel, you know, the the barrel extension versus the, uh, you know, the the upper receiver where it mates, and mm-hmm. and then I go, you know, then I, I start getting out of my my rut of traditionalism, and you start going, there's something here, right? There there's something to this, and there's only a matter of time before things catch on, and then now I'm at the um, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I love spinning barrels on and off of 700s, but as I'm getting older, I mean, I'm, I'm 51 now, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to do that crap anymore, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's for the next generation to, to figure out. I'm going, I'm going right. for something a little easier that I can get, um, I can get the job done and then, you know, I want to get to the range and have fun with my gun. I don't want to sit there and screw with it all day. Right, and and that's kind of the nice thing with that. Um, now, pristine isn't the only action I've worked. I work with. Uh, I've worked with Kelblies yep. in the past, and uh, for American company, Kelblies is probably my favorite. Uh, with them, I've always done a pre-fit shouldered barrel because there was a company I um, I've, done, I've done business with in the past that that's what they did, and I was like, okay. Cool. You didn't need a headspace gauge because it already came pre-headspace. You shove it on, but you need a special action wrench to get it on there. So, but the nice thing with, like I said, with the pristine is that barrel nut system. It just makes it so much easier uh, in the long run. And then I'm setting the headspace with it. And then what's also nice is I have the headspace gauge in inventory. So that way, if I take it off, if when yeah. I know I put it back on, it's going back on. So uh, the one, next thing I say I tell everybody is uh, get a log book of, and log everything, um, like how many rounds you've done on your rifle, how many, if you have a chronograph, that's a big piece of equipment you should have is a chronograph. Either yeah. a, even if it's a basic Caldwell, which work half the time, Nothing against Caldwell ones. I mean, they're affordable. But if you have this extra money, um, the Magneto Speed V3, which is roughly about 400 bucks, there's, that's the one I use. But with technology, with those coming out, I mean, you have Garmin coming out with their new one, which I saw yeah. recently and I want. Um, <laughs> not a big fan of the Lab Radar, but I, I do like this Garmin. I do like where it's going. And the one that FX just had came out too. I mean, and that's the thing is, I mean, we've been talking about technology. Now, obviously, we're starting to go into the, you know, out of granddad's uh, hunting rifle into, okay, we now understand things, a pristine action, these new actions that we're talking about. This is the next evolution. Like, okay, now we've, now we understand our basics. We're, we're, we're moving up into these, these new things. Now we're talking about ballistics. Um, You know, I have, um, I have a, a, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's funny. It's in the closet there somewhere too. Um, uh, chronograph because of reloading. Because when I when I reload, I want to know I want to know what my bullets are shooting, especially when I was doing competition shooting, because I had to make power factor. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, really, any any data you get is better than no data at all, right? I mean, right. Obviously, 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 better data is better than 
bad data, you know, or less accurate data. But um, yeah, I, I like, I, you know, for me, I just don't, I like a magneto speed. It, it's not something on my buy list. It's something that's in my future list, right? Because I still got to build right. this rifle. I'm going to use what I have. And, and that's what we're, we've been talking about all along. Use what you got and then just start replacing as you go up and, and start doing things. And for anybody in the audience that, you know, is thinking about, you know, what's a headspace gauge, uh, I pulled one off my shelf. And, of course, you can't see it because the camera's too far away. Um, this is actually for a 3030 Winchester. But basically this is, you know, goes in. It's like the backside of the, of the shell. And mm. it'll, it'll, you know, you close the bolt. And, you know, this is actually, I think this is my... Uh, yeah, this is my no-go gauge. So if it closes on my no-go gauge, something's wrong. It's not safe. Right. Uh, figure out what's going on. So that's what we're really talking about on these headspace gauges is making sure that we're safe and it's going to shoot right. Um, and well, not shoot right, but it's going to chamber correctly. So, I mean, those headspace gauges, what were they? Uh, I just found my 308 laying right next to it. Uh, um uh, I mean, they're forty-five dollars a piece. It's not like they're yeah. ungodly expensive. I mean, for ninety dollars, you have a yeah, you have a head, you have a go and a no-go gauge. You're ready to mm -hmm. go, right? And I mean, if you want, if you do the old tape trick, which is put a piece of tape on the back of it, trim it around, it uh, gives you about two thousandths, and which is perfect for for no, for running it as a no-go. You can save yourself a few dollars that way too. Yeah. Um, but now I want to go on the other side of things and go into if you want to go shoot ELR. Now, ELR, now, so I shoot ELR light class. Um, I don't shoot heavy class just because I just don't have, not that I don't necessarily the funds to get into it. I just don't have the time to get into to be able to do all three of them instead of two. So with ELR light class, I kind of go with the route of, I tell, I recommend everybody to look into like the uh, Ruger RPR magnums, yeah. like the 300 PRC, 330 Lapua, the Savage, uh, 110 Elite, uh, just because you're getting an ACC chassis, you're getting both of them, are both magazine fedable, fed capable. So if you want to use them as a field rifle, you can, but there's also a lot of companies out there that make a lot of parts for them like Anarchy Outdoors, Long Shot Precision. They do uh, grips and adjustable bag riders. Uh, Control Solutions for muzzle brakes is where I usually go to, or Spearhead Machine out of Canada. They make a phenomenal brake for the lower cal for the smaller calibers. But it all really is a rabbit hole either one you go down because you want to be more competitive. You want to get into the game more. You're going to go, go to a match – and you're going to see what everybody's running and be okay, well, I like that, that, and that, and that. Well, now I know what I have to work towards or where I want to be at. And it, it's going to take you a few years, and it has me since I've started this and this little journey I'm at. And now, like, I, I've, it's been a real interesting journey. I sat back a couple, about a few days ago and, like, really was like, man, I've met a lot of famous people in the shooting industry and, a lot of people I've idolized over years and gotten to meet them and gone to stuff like shot show and, and everything and met Jason here from rogue Banshee and, 
and stuff over throughout my time. And it's been really interesting and fun. It was so funny. I remember, uh, it, it, it's so funny. We <laughs> I remember one time we were down at Boulder. I was at the range down at Boulder and all of a sudden I'm, I'm shooting, I, I was filming and all of a sudden I hear, Hey, that's the road banshee. I turn, I turn around. It's you driving down to the right. <laughs> <part of> the <laughs> <way>. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was getting uh, ready for the I was getting ready for the Badlands Steel Challenge. That was a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, that was, um, that was good times. <laughs> but it's so funny that we run into people in our industry, no matter where we go. I mean, that we run into people, right. um, uh, you know, especially like Shot Show. Um, and that's actually you got you got me in front of Pristine Actions. I got to talk to them, and it, it that's the cool thing about this industry. I mean, anybody's listened to this podcast, you've heard us talk about, you know, um, uh, Three Gun or, um, you know, uh, IPSC or IDPA, where it's like, hey, you know, you show up to a competition, everyone's kind of friendly. They want they want to help you out. Mm -hmm. um, and the that's the that's the good thing about this industry. The bad thing is about this industry is it's like being addicted to crack. Right, because you're going to show up to that competition, and also you're going to be like, oh, "I want that, I want that, I want that," and right. that, and then and then you go back to what what you were saying in the beginning is keep your have a budget because you can't afford that right. that and that yet. Um, right, and and I tell everybody if you're going to get into PRS, honestly. $2,500 is a good budget to start with because you can get a, a Bergara B14, uh, a Vortex Venom Scope, or a Strike Eagle if you want to spend a couple dollars more, uh, a good set of rings, a, a scope, a good go uh, scope base. Preferably start with something 20 MOA. Uh, if you can get 30, jump to 30. You're going to get a little more um, measurement out of it, out of the scope. And then... A good bipod, believe it or not, to start with is the Magpul bipod. Um, they really, for a hundred and hundred twenty bucks, you can't beat them. So, so we're going to go back to the rings real quick. You were talking about okay. twenty or thirty OMOA, and for okay. everybody in the audience, this is uh, this one that's actually from Wheeler. Uh, I just have laying around, and what you're talking about with MOA is is let's just assume that this is level. With it, with this thing, you're actually kind of raising the top a little bit. It's actually the opposite. It's a, the opposite. Because oh, yeah, 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 you're, you're going to force the. Yes, yeah. you're forcing the front of the scope down. Yeah, forcing it, so that right. way when you come up, it's you're getting that arc in. So right, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about the MOA. Is you don't go just out and buy you know a set of of, of rings here. Um, mm -hmm. like, you know, this is going to be perfect for my, uh, my AR, um, 308 out to 600 yards. This, this mm -hmm. is perfect for it. When we start going out a little bit farther, that's when I need to start looking at customized stuff. Um, um that's like with a six, five Creedmoor, 20 MOA will get you about 1200, 1250 yards. Um, I tell everybody if you can get a 30, get a 30 just to be future proof. Especially if you plan on shooting that rifle for a couple of years. And it, in all reality, it doesn't co cost much more different, maybe five or ten dollars, depending on the company. So it's 
you're getting a little more measurement out of the scope. You're going to be able to get out to say 1500, 1600 yards instead of limiting yourself to like 1250. Right. Especially if you're trying to get shoot out that far. Now matches like the night four CLR seal challenge, you're engaging targets out to 2000 yards. And with that one, you see a bunch of different calibers out there shooting it. Um, I shot it with a 243 AI this year, and everybody just looked at me all strange because everybody else was shooting 33 at Lapuas and Normas and 300 PRCs. And I'm, I'm coming in here with, I'm the guy running the short action and I'm going to hit this target. And I did, I hit it out to 1807. So, but it's just like, everybody just looks at you weird. And it's like, no, I got this. I got this. Yeah. (laughs) You, you, you have just a little bit of thought and trigger time behind this. Um, right to, to prove this one out um, exactly and i tell everybody feel com- get used to your gun and feel comfortable with it if you got to make a um, difference in like your stock your length of pull um the big one for me is your butt your butt pad height your up and down on your butt pad height and there's a lot of companies now that make aftermarket uh attachments for that type of stuff in uh, bubble levels, make sure you have a good bubble level. Um, I got a video. It's funny because when we were talking at the range uh, that one day where we ran into each other mm-hmm. at the range, I got to see you start playing with a with a bubble level on that scope, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is definitely a lot different than you know back when I was shooting you know thirty out six back in the day. Um, right. Yeah, because you want your scope, you want your you want your whole platform as level as possible. You don't want to be canted 10 degrees off one side and be, okay, I'm straight. Uh, No, I'm not. Because now that bullet's going to come out and it's going to veer left or right. However, you're canted and you want to try to be as level as you possibly can. There's some electronic levels out there that work really well. And then you have the mechanic, your old school, just bubble level. Uh, I usually have mine wrapped around the, uh, tube of my scope. I know people who have them attached to the scope rail at the bottom. There's people who have them up more further on the rifle. That's all depending on where you're comfortable and how you want it set up. I don't ever tell anybody, hey, you can only have one bubble level. I've got one rifle. I've got three levels on. I've got one on the chassis, one on the scope base, <laughs> one on the scope. That just happened to happen like that. But oh, you that way it gives you a reference and you know what, how, like if you knocked your bubble level off on your, on your scope rings, you'd be like, okay, let me check my chassis. Cool. Fix this. Get yourself back into the game. Um, in reality, you got to have that mindset of telling yourself it's a game. You're here to have fun. Challenge yourself. Don't go out. Don't be like, Oh, I'm going to beat that guy over there. I'm going to beat him. No challenge yourself. You'd be like, okay, so I had 60 confirmed hits last match. Oh, I want to do 65 this time. I mean, have fun with it, and that's what I try to tell everybody who's getting into this sport. Your first year, you're going to suck. I hate to say it, you're going to suck. And it's funny because we say it, it doesn't matter what shooting competition that you go to. You talk to anybody. First of all, have fun because if you're not having fun, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And number two, it's going to take time. Uh, right. It's, it's going to take you time to build up, you know, shooting. And that's the thing is if you take time off, shooting is a perishable skill. 
Right. Um, you know, for me, it's been crap four years since I've, I've competed just because of, of managing injuries. So I, I know that when I go to my next shoot, I'm just not going to be as clean as I used to be. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just happens. But yeah, it take, take your time. Right. And it's, it's, it's not a race. It's a journey. So right. enjoy, enjoy the journey. Now I got a story to tell you on this one. So coming down to my first match after shot show this year, never shot in the Southwest. I'm going to my first match. I'm like, yes, I got this. I got this. I'm like, I'm going to show these guys what this Northern boy can do. I got this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm all, I get myself all hyped up. I get there. I'm like, okay, two minutes and 30 seconds on the stage. I got this. And they're like, they're all just looking at me like 2.30. No, 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 no. You got 90 seconds. So I'm like, what? I'm like, who the hell time to change the time? They're like, oh, no, no, no. You're an actual PRS match. Not one of those homegrown matches you have up north. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm getting on the club match. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm getting on stage. I mean, I'm hitting targets. I'm not going through all 10 rounds, but I'm, I'm hitting targets. I'm, I'm getting points. And – Couple of the guys that took me under their wing, they're like trying to help me out. And I my and I'll admit my my hugest problem I have is target acquisition. I can see the target here, I get down in the scope, I can't see it. And that's my biggest problem. And I and I'm working on a solution for that this year, where I'm gonna mount a red dot on top of my scope. And my buddy Aaron from uh, Anarchy Outdoors was like, dude, put that and he goes and have it zeroed for so many yards. Put it up on that target and look down. He goes, you're going to find – he's like, you're just going to help you. So I'm going to give it a try. But back to the story is, I'm, I'm like, I got this. I mean, first year, first stage was KYL. Cleared the KYL stage. I was like, in four years, I've – in the four years I've been shooting competitively with rifle, I've never cleared a KYL stage. I've always done terrible on them. And I'm like, I got this. I got this. Sure. I get up to another stage. I couldn't find the target. I can see it here, but I cannot find it um, in the scope because it was hit so much that it contrasted yeah. into that dirt. And it was just like, oh, I suck. <laughs> so I'm just like, and I just keep going throughout the day and I'm having fun. And then we get to the top and one person's like, well, let's see what, let's see what he, see if he can hit the long range stuff. I got this. And I'm just, I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm just, I'm straight just dick nailing this deal. I'm having a good time with it. And everybody was like, okay, one guy came over, took, he's like, okay, it's not that you can't hit shit. You got points. He goes, you got a lot more points than I expected you to do. But he goes, you had a problem with finding the target. I'm like, yeah, I know I got to work on that. He goes, you'll be better next time when you shoot here. When you, he goes, yeah. because you'll know where stuff is. And he was right. I went there, came in, um, what was it? Top five in my class. I was shooting for that nice. at that match. And he was right. Cause I'm coming into a venue. I have no clue. I don't know what I'm shooting. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, a lot of the guys I shot with up in North Dakota at the Badlands Steel match, dude, I, even though I've, I've done I've done better down here this year than I have up there, I really don't know if I still have a chance shooting up there with those guys. I mean, I know how to shoot in the wind, and that's kind of like my advantage down here is um, not saying that every – yeah, they're they're used to commerce. yeah, they don't they don't have right. these these things called mountains where we're giving drafts and all and and we're right. getting stuffed <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. They're out and in the middle of a desert. Right. Uh you might see a dust devil every now and then, that's about it. 
But I mean, five mile per hour winds come up and people are just like, oh my God, they're perking out their kestrels. I'm, I'm sitting there laughing. I'm like, I'll oh, just hold half mil. Just, just go. And, uh, <laughs> you know it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there up on stage just having fun with it. But it's interesting when you go to different regions of the country and how they run matches and where and how things are done. Um, like I said, I did night force. I came up with the 243 this year and everybody's just looking at me weird. And it's like, I watch. I mean, your average target engagement's about 1,200 yards. So I'm sitting there going, I'm hitting 1,000-yard targets down in the desert with this. I'm hitting 1,500-yard targets up in the mountains with it. So I'm pretty you confident with the gun. Yeah, you, you, you can handle just about anything that the match is going to throw at you. Right. And uh, trust me, the weather this year, it was raining, it was cold, and I'm sitting there going, okay, last year it was like high 90s. This year... Yeah. It's raining, it's cold, it's mud, you've got cow shit on the ground, and it's like, okay, whatever. I'm a grunt. I'm just getting down in that mud, and I'm just shooting targets. I'm having a good time with it. So So, uh, there's one thing I want to ask you about. Um, So, you know, we've been talking about going through intermediate and, you know, through the beginner, intermediate, going into competition. But I remember when you signed up for a specific competition, and I thought you were nuts. Um, talk about King of the Mile. Okay, King of One Mile. Okay, so yeah, that one was kind of far out for me, but it was fun. Uh, I met a lot of people at that match. Uh, I met one of my idols, David Tubb, who owns um, he owns a company out of Canadian Texas, like Specialized Dynamics or something like that. But no, not Specialized Dynamics. I'll remember the company here in a minute. So uh, but he is the one who designed the uh, 33XC cartridge that I shoot. And uh, you can find his information on that and his stuff over at davidtub.com. So you guys can go take a look at it yourselves. But the um, King of One Mile is... So all your targets are like 24, 22, 2400 yards and in, and you're not allowed to shoot anything bigger than a 338 caliber diameter bullet. So you can shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor. There's a guy there. He shoots nothing but 308. That's all he ever shoots. He will not shoot anything else. And it's interesting because you see a lot of these guys who are shooting the big guns coming down to the little guns. And there like there was a couple of people there I saw struggling and I'm sitting there going, I'm used to shooting a Lapua or the PRC and I just got my 33XC done. I burned a hundred rounds to the barrel to get this barrel broken in, did some quick load data. And I was like, um, off to the match it went and I was, uh, shooting for McCree precision and got hooked up with a uh, guy who was my spotter, my buddy Trent. And at the time, I didn't know who he was. I was like, well, this is going to be interesting. I don't know how he's going to spot. I don't know how he's going to shoot. And I'm spotting for him. So, But we got a few days in to get to know each other and had a good time with it. But it was just something that I was like, you know, I really want to do this. It's really where I want to be. PRS is more fun where ELR for me was more like, this is where I want to be competitive. Sure. And, I mean, you're going up against big names, big name shooters at matches like that. And surprisingly enough, wasn't a lot of big name people who made it to the top at that match. Um, 
and was cool. Cool in some fact, but it's like, okay, so Little Man actually has a chance here at this match. And it's not run by the same committee as the King of Two Miles, which is nice. So you're not really playing by a lot of the same rules, but there is rules to it. So they renamed the ELR Light Class. Uh, I wish I had a 338 here with me. Actually, here, I have a, I have a projectile. So the, three, the Light Class is a little bit cheaper to shoot, depending on like what you're going for, like 300 PRC is a great one to start with. Now, if I was going to go entry level, uh, 300 PRC is a great one for anybody to start with. Like that's a 338 projectile. It's a 325 grain bullet. Uh, and these, I think these ones are running like two bucks a piece. So I got a few of these for testing. But I mean, yeah, it was kind of off the wall. You see some small-town boy from, from Nowheresville, Montana, going out and competing up against some of the people, top dogs in the country, and it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. Pack my car so up, what, and I was gone. So so what what prep work did you do to get into that match? You know, to, Or not to get into the match, but to, to actually be ready to shoot that match. So I just got the rifle finished, and... Ordered brass, had some brass, some 37XC brass, and I figured, okay, I'll neck it down to 33, fire informant, be good to go. I was having issues with the brass. Well, my buddy Trent sent me new brass. I literally had two weeks worth of prep time from working a full-time job, doing YouTube, going to the king of two, king of one mile. And I got about, a, I think it was something, about 80 to 100 rounds fired through the barrel to break in the barrel, and I was just like, let me find a load that works. So I, I made a load, fired it through it, put it on the chronograph. I'm like, okay. So I'm firing 3,100 feet a second flat. My SDs are something like 12 or 13. And I'm like, this is the load I'm doing. So I went up, made 60 rounds of it, threw it into an airtight container, threw it in my trunk, and I'm ready to roll. So I didn't have the most expensive scope um, or anything else, but I did have a high-quality rifle. Uh I had um, my accuracy bipod XT built into the chassis, and then I had my my uh, AccuTech HD fifty bipod. Um, honestly, the scope I was using was my Element five to twenty five by fifty six, the same scope I hit twenty one hundred yards with with three hundred PRC. So I took that scope, threw it on on this gun, and was like, "Well, I got no backup gun because I don't have another scope. So now I got one yeah. gun, and I'm gone." So. I uh, ran out with that and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I waited for registrations to open and got myself a spot. And I'm like, I'm going to the King match. I'm, I'm going because for years I watched the King of two mile and realizing, okay, getting into a heavy gun is expensive. That's why I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. stick with the light gun stuff because it's a little more affordable to shoot, especially for the everyday working man. Unless you got a sponsor. Which yeah, you can get one. Which go for it. Yeah, yeah. Good luck because uh, for all the years of competition shooting I've done, I have yet to ever get a sponsor. Um, right. It also, doesn't help that I kept changing guns. <laughs> but yeah, because that's the thing. So I remember, I remember you talking about like, shit, I can't see a thousand yards. I can get a little bit a mile. Um, I mean that. Shooting that, that's where you really need to understand 
Uh, I, I mean, you're understanding. There's a lot of there's a lot of forces at play. Oh just yeah, to get the bullet onto the target. I mean, even anywhere near the target. I mean, you're talking about you got your your ballistics. You're running through. Like mm-hmm. you know, is this thing going to make it that far? Um, you know how 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 high are you going to hold on that thing? Um, right. I mean, I mean, you're talking about you know millimeters are now like a foot, you know, uh, that far out. So right. even just even just your breath could just completely blow a shot by a long by by a lot. Right. I mean, there's so much. I mean, you got your dew point, your temperature, your humidity. Yep. Your Coriolis effect on the Earth, your altitude takes in the big play. Um, I mean, even the changing of the weather going from like hot to mid to cold to everything takes an effect to it because it, it really that can affect the powder. Even temperature stable powder, it can affect in one way or another. Just that little bit. You might not be getting a half a foot a second that speed. Per grain of powder that you that you need, so I could be shooting thirty one hundred feet a second when in reality I'm shooting thirty sixty. And I didn't take take into effect of that difference there, um, but we were out in Texas. The humidity was terrible, um, the mirage was terrible. So here I'm up in Montana. I can see I got a little bit of mirage <laughs> in, at twenty one hundred, and I'm sitting here at eighteen hundred, and I'm. Target's just moving like this. And it's not me moving. It's the heat coming yeah, off the ground. So it's just, uh, it's interesting because I have a, after leaving that match, I'm like, okay, now I have another fond respect for the sport. And now I know what I have to go do to make this even better. Huh. I, my camera just disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> This could be for an interesting podcast. <laughs> so you just that is that is not the first time that has happened. Um, I have yet to figure out what is going on with uh, with that camera. There we go. Um, just every once in a while, it just goes. No, I'm done. I quit. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, Derek's sitting there talking about mirages and and humidity and stuff. I can't. It, uh, you see, I can't handle a camera that's uh, five feet away from me. <laughs> <laughs> that's connected through a USB port to my computer. <laughs> um, no, because that's the thing is, uh, it, there is there's so many things that, can, that, that affect that. Now you're talking about going out even farther. There's more things that can affect. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're down to the point where if a cloud goes by, that could affect it. Right, because you might not be able to see the target. Yeah. Depending on how bad it's shot up or one of many, many things. And a lot of people don't understand this. It's like, oh, I could could shoot this a thousand yards. Well, do you understand what it takes to shoot a thousand yards? I mean, I do. I mean, I've taken a stock 308 off the shelf with a second vocal plane scope and a $100 bipod and I've shot a thousand yards with it. That's because I understand the yeah. science and yep. the effects behind it, but your average person does doesn't understand. I'm just going to Kentucky wind it. Have fun with that. Come back and see me when you've blown yeah. three hundred dollars in ammo. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've been rolling about uh, almost 55 minutes now. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's start, you know, kind of getting people to you. I mean, we talked we talked a little bit in the beginning, right at the beginning about YouTube. Talk a little bit about your YouTube channel and, and your social media here and the, the stuff okay. people are doing, you know, what you're doing there and, and what people can expect. Okay, guys. So on my channel, I do a lot of stuff with products that I know are what I would use and what I would recommend. Um, I got products out there like Accuracy Solutions, Bipod XTs and chassis and different optics and stuff like that and different rifles I would recommend. Um, you don't see a lot of my, my higher, higher stuff on, uh, my channel, like the higher build stuff. I try to keep it so it's more economy friendly. Um, on my S2 Delta video, you'll see a, you'll see the 308 that I built on there. And that was a fun gun I did. That was an NRL hunter style rifle. But most of the time you're going to see me trying to pull stuff up, like different chassis I would recommend and different stocks and shooting bags. And and stuff like that. I do have some DIY fixing fix it stuff, like how to fix your Savage Acu Acu trigger. Because honestly, that's the one downfall in my opinion with with the Savages, those damn triggers. But if you guys go check out my video, the Savage One Twelve Target Magnum taking it to a thousand. That was a video I did with my buddy Matt. We were just it was Fourth of July. We had nothing planned, and it was beautiful out. Like heck with it. I made up some random ammo, just took the gun, and let's go up in the mountains and shoot a thousand yards. And it was just one of those things. Didn't know exactly how how this was going to run, how it was going to do, or nothing else, or if we were even going to hit the target. It's more of a okay, let's see, let's take a thousand dollar gun off the shelf and go hit a thousand yards. That's pretty much what it was. And there's nothing high end on it. I mean, if you want to call my rings yeah. high end, they're Vortex Precision, but there's nothing really high end on this rifle. Um, I guess I have more stuff coming up down the road, like on cartridges and uh, caliber testing and barrel testing and action testing, stuff like that. That's going to bring more into uh, deeper conversations because I just started a new series on my channel called Shop Talk. So we've gotten two episodes out. We're going to do episode three later and going into like, can you hit a take a stock rifle and make do a one MOA at a hundred yards, you know, in modern day stuff and modern technology and the ammunition that we have. Yeah, you can, but honestly, you got to take into effect what kind of rifle it is, what caliber and all that type of stuff, but we'll get more into that later. But yeah, if I would like, go check out my channel, uh, Northwest guns, you guys will see, um, I only got a little over a hundred videos up, got a few shorts, but what I try to do and try to enjoy is showing you guys the aspects of what you guys would need to get into it. Like I did a video, God, this was three years ago. God, I feel old now. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> my fast. Right. It was the $1,500 PRS uh, rifle challenge video. And it was a buddy's rifle he wanted. He wanted the 300 win mag and I put it together for him. And it was a Bergara. And, but in we actually came in under budget by about 80 bucks with that thing, but it shot when we shot it at the Badlands later that year. And it was an accurate rifle. Um, yes, I got criticized who would shoot a 
300 win mag for PRS. You know, I'm the guy who showed up with a 300 PRC because I was told it was a long range match. So, (laughs) and I still win at it. But, well, and that's that's the kind of thing because that's that's what I like about, um, about you know, the the new series you have coming out with the, the shot. Well, not that you're coming out, that you're doing now. And for everybody that's either watching or listening, we'll have all of the links down below in the description. So if you are watching this on one of the video platforms or if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, just come back and all the links to Derek's stuff will be down below. But that's, you know, that's what I like about the new series. Cause you know, for me, I, it's, I, I like the everyday gun stuff, right. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the, the content, you know, my whole content is the content for the everyday gun owner. And um, that's, I love content like that because you have no idea where, so, once somebody starts that journey, you have no idea where they're going to exit out of it. And um, I've seen people that, that have struggled with, with working on, you know, working on a Glock to mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're, they're building 1911s. So like, wow, that's, that was a big jump because a 1911 is not an easy pistol to build. No, it's um, not. and that's what, that's what I love about, about that series you got. No. And we're going to be doing some pistol stuff later on the channel. Um, I want to do a Glock brace pistol because uh, I'm starting to shoot a little bit of IDPA down here in the Southwest. And nice. then I've got one of my favorite pistols that I want to rebuild is my is the uh, Para Ordnance P14 double stack 45, which is a go. true double stack 1911. Not some of these copycats. Um, <laughs> I have to throw that out there. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be veering into like pistol stuff and SBRs and everything, precision SBRs too, uh, later down the road. But yeah, if you guys want, message me over on Instagram. I have no problem with answering questions if you guys need help with it my recommendations or what you guys are looking for. Um, I'm going to be doing on shop talk. I'll do a whole series of different scope rings. We're going to be talking about um, like the one caliber right now is the six, five Creedmoor. So I have a base stock rifle and we have two custom rifles with two different riflings. So from the same company. So one is uh, one barrel is called the Olympian. The other one is, Evo 5 rifling, which is a, a cross between uh, button and polygonal rifling weaved together. So interesting. We've been getting a Cause... lot of interesting results with that barrel. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, you know, on the pistols, um, you know, about, you know, thinking of Glocks, which are the, mm-hmm. you know, kind of they're the polygonal, and then going into like your 1911s and your SIGs and stuff like that are traditional right. rifling. I can't. I, I, I never thought about trying to do like a hybrid of the two. That's that's pretty slick. So it's interesting how this one is playing out. I'll I'll put this out there: is that the velocities that we're seeing on a twenty-two inch barreled six-five Creedmoor are the velocities you would see like on a twenty-six inch barrel. Wow. On a on a regular rifling. So it's been playing out, and you wouldn't think you could stabilize a heavy bullet with that 22 inch barrel, but it's shockingly enough. I've been getting really good velocities and consistent velocities out of that small barrel. So for a competition rifle, I really shoot nothing smaller than a 26 myself for PRS. 
But I'm actually going to take this rifle out to a match and really see what it can do, especially shooting off of barriers and stuff like that. Yeah, you see, and that's the that's the trick, right? Because getting uh, shooting from a bench and then shooting in competition, it doesn't matter what gun you have. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's a completely different thing. I mean, yeah, if you're talking about uh, shooting in competition, where you're, you know all of a sudden you're leaning against a barricade or, or depending on your competition, depends on what it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that 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 could change things. It could change. It could change a lot of things. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what you do in the in like a you know basically a real world scenario. So I'll be using that one in a couple months at a two day match. So I have one set up for day one, one set up for day two, uh, different calibers, different steps of rifle, one to stock, one to chassis. So I could play it out and see, okay, what am I going to run next year, or, or am I going to stick with the hybrid system again, the hybrid um, chassis stock combo, which is probably one of my favorites and where I have my son starting out with. So, cause he likes stocks, but he wants all the advantages of what a chassis has. So it's going to be, it'll be fun. And to see how he did for his first year coming awesome. in. Soon. Well, we're definitely going to keep an eye on the, on the content you got coming up and um, make sure everybody is watching that stuff. Cause I, I, I never, uh, until you said that, I never even heard of a cross between those two barrels. There's two mm-hmm. type of grooves. Um, so yeah, we're running about, a about a minute for uh, a minute, an hour for here, but okay. to loosen up a little bit, have some fun. You know, we've been talking about all kinds of crazy stuff now, but let's just, you know, have a little bit of fun. So we're going to hit a uh, speed round here. So it's going to be four this or that questions and then one thinking question. Okay. And now, see, now, now I got a rifle guy on, I got to kind of switch, switch gears here. <laughs> Um, so, uh, first focal plane or second focal plane? First focal plane for competition. Uh, second vocal plane for, I, I, I shoot everything first vocal plane for the most part. I think I only have one second vocal plane scope and that's still on my 308 Savage, which is what I use for hunting or predator hunting. So let me think of a, let me think of a choice here. All right. 308 or 30-06? 308. I think I'm going to know this question, too. Bolt or semi-auto? Um, well, I'm a bolt gun guy at heart. Uh, yeah, that's actually pretty good. One. Depends on the scenario. Depends. If I, had to, if I had to run a gas gun, I would. Uh, okay. I'm just more comfortable behind a bolt gun. Okay. And for hearing protection, muffs or plugs? Plugs. Is it because of the stock or is it because of the hearing protection? Uh, because of the stock. Yeah. That's that's the thing with uh with with rifle guns. You know, the pistol people, we get away we, yeah, we can we can put right. muffs on, but uh but yeah, and that rifle that that's one thing that I hated as a kid was, um, you know, I, I hated shooting rifles because of the, my my muffs kept on hitting. It doesn't matter how many times they cut them or you know put these little things in; it just doesn't work. Um, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. So for for your thinking question, I'm going to take you to the world's largest armory, 
And inside this armory is literally one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. It could be anything from Dennis and Menace's slingshot to one of the deck guns off the USS Missouri. Mm-hmm. It's been cleared by every possible government agency that would ever have a problem with this thing that you can walk out with one item. See, this is, where I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to throw you off. Okay. H&K PSG-1. Oh, nice. Yeah, I totally did not expect that gun. Yep, that is my favorite semi-automatic uh, platform. If I had to choose one particular long-range uh, sniper rifle it would for, in a semi-automatic platform, it would be a PSG-1. Awesome. Well, Derek, man, thanks so much for taking time out. It's been, it, it's funny. We've been trying to get together on this podcast for like a while. And oh, it yeah. just, like all the stars just magically aligned um, for this. And it, for everybody, just to let you know, we're recording this on Monday and it airs on Sunday. So uh, it's one of those things of, it just, it just happened to work out that we, we got it. And thank you so much for taking out some time and, uh, and oh. talking to us today. Anytime, man. Anytime. That was great catching up with Derek, man. He is an amazing guy. I remember when I first met him at a, we met at a coffee shop, just sit down and just talk shop and geek out about guns and stuff like that. And he's just a great guy, man. Um, definitely go check out his channel. I have a link down below. If you're into long range guns, it, he's, he's got so much knowledge. I just wish I could just like just plug right into his brain and suck that knowledge out. But learning is part of the journey and I'm on that journey and uh, it's really great to have people like Derek that I can just ask questions about. So go check it out. He's got some great stuff. Now for the product of the podcast, it is the C908 holster from my friends over at Falco. Now this is for the P365. Yeah, you can make it for other guns too, but mine's made for the P365. This has my XL in it. It's not designed for the XL. It was originally designed for my P365. So, you know, those of you on the video, you can see the barrel sticking out just a little bit. But I can't get my 365 in it right now because I'm testing the Dawn. And, you know, this is not an optics cut holster. I think I'm just going to get all my holsters optics cut from now on because of things like this. You just never know when you're going to have an optics cut holster or need an optics cut holster, so um, you know, they can make this thing optics cut. I just didn't. I didn't think I was ever going to put a red dot on my 365. Never. And then, well, then it happened. So go check it out. I love this thing because it's handmade. It's leather and kydex, and um, the curve of this thing is it's great. It fits my body. Uh, I absolutely love this holster. Um, go check it out. I have a link down below. And if you use the checkout code Banshee, you'll save 10%. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That is a great conversation I had with Diana Muller about gun control. Everybody else, there's a link down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking again soon.